So everybody in the organization had a part to play and had a personal feeling that they were a shareholder in that company. So it's not just somebody that comes in and does some work, but they feel a part of that organization. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at Digital Transformation Consulting Firm, Elevate IQ. If you focused on the metrics for each employee where they contributed to the organization's overall improvement, it could result in millions of dollars of savings. But finding the areas of improvement is easier said than done. It requires you to perform gap analysis and trace the GEMBA. It requires you to perform a deeper study of data, identify appropriate KPIs, and continuously measure to become operationally resilient. In today's episode, we have our guest, Tamar Nelson, who discusses why an organization needs to become operationally resilient to combat uncertainty. She also describes why a gap analysis is required to identify the areas of improvement and start on the journey of operational resiliency. Finally, she shares several stories where she has made transformational changes to the organization by tracing the GAMBA through data, surveys, and process mapping. Let me introduce Tamar to you. Tamar is a specialist with over 21 years of experience at the forefront of operational resilience serving to bring COOs and their organizations the ability to ensure systems and capabilities, cultivate adaptable practices, and manage risks in real time with an efficient plan to create profitable outcomes for stakeholders, end users, and regulators. Armed with an industrial and system engineering foundation at both the undergrad and master's level, lean, agile, scrum, and energy management certified. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, welcome to the show, Tamar. Hi, Sam. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our chat and to, to share with your audience as well. And I'm super excited to get into your journey as well. Just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and current focus? Sure. Well, Sam, I'm speaking to you from Kingston, Jamaica, right? That's where I'm located. And I I would consider my, my desire always to be continuously improve and to grow myself and to help others to do the same and um you know this is a is a long journey that i you know that i have embarked on not only for myself but to include those around me as well and that is my natural inclination to be always seeking knowledge and always helping and always seeing how to in, improve and that's my 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 passion and this this journey that i have been on started many many years ago and you know I, I carry these traits forward today where I now head the national organization in Jamaica that's responsible for facilitating national growth and development. And I have the pleasure of working hand in hand with 
chief operations officers and business owners and CFOs and GMs, unions, international partners with, you know, in over 250 organizations within the 20 odd years that I've been in this field. And, you know, it all started from me growing up in various international cultures, right? So I was born in Jamaica, went and did my first degree in industrial and systems engineering in Trinidad and Tobago, then left, left Trinidad and went to Rochester Institute of Technology in New York, and then left there and did work in Japan and other countries in the Caribbean, so, you know, and worked with persons from different cultures and all in the, the area of business improvement, right? So even my first job out of um, university, you know, within a year of working there, I was head of the business improvement unit. So everything that I've done has always been structured around um, how to make things better, to be more resilient, to, especially as it relates to operations and processes, right? And so even when my journey to Japan, it just cemented all the learning that I've had over the years in industrial and systems engineering, the learnings in lean and agile. Everything came together with that um, experience there where they teach us in Japan um, that we need to go right to the source. You need to go right to what we call Gemba and get what's happening, to go and see what's happening on the floor and to develop systems to help to improve. But importantly, to always involve the people in the process. And the yep. people is at the heart of everything that, that is done in terms of improvement. And I, I firmly believe that in operations and building resiliency in an organization and for that organization to grow, you have to have a people-driven process to do so. We are definitely going to dig deeper into all of that. Obviously, the operational sure. resiliency is going to be an exciting topic. I think we yeah. would like you to dig deeper into that. We would like you to define. But before we do that, we have one of the sure. standard questions here for all of our guests. And that is going to be your perspective on business growth. What does business oh, growth mean to you, Jamar? I think business growth is everything. I, I, I firmly believe if you're not growing, you're dead. And I always say to my clients, if you're doing the same thing that you have been doing last year or even last week, then you're not growing, right? And yep. my philosophy is on the, in the area of continuous improvement. And every day, we should be looking at ways and areas that we need to improve. And that, again, is also deeply rooted in the, the philosophies of Kaizen and Lean and the Japanese philosophy in terms of continuously improving. And again, yeah. how, what they have done is um, built systems around how to do that, not on a one-off basis, but every day into what you do. And I can give you a story <laughs> in that regard, Sam, where... You know, um, while as a consultant working in Japan, we were working under different senses or teachers yeah. that were in the field for many more years than we were. And we were working in Toyota contracting firms. So yeah. these were suppliers to Toyota. And we were tasked with improving these facilities. Now, when I stepped into this facility, I am saying, but I don't see anything to improve. It looks perfect, you know, coming yeah. from where I am in the Caribbean, like, what? What else can you do? <laughs> and, you know, based on what I was used to, this was like top notch. And, oh, wow. and I was like, wow, everything was just so efficient. And I'm like, how are we going to find anything to improve? It doesn't seem like it. 
and we were tasked to find an, a, an area for improvement. And, you know, we went into the, the lunchroom and we we're there in the conference room and we we're typing away at our computers on our laptops. And I remember the sensei came in and he was pink. And the instructor, the, the, the interpreter came in and, was, you know, she started to interpret. And I know she didn't interpret word for word. You know, she, she kind of calmed it down a couple of notches. But he was very furious with us. He was mad because he was saying, how can you help or improve when you sit in a room on your computer? You have to get up, get up <laughs> off your rears, go outside and look and see and find yeah, the areas yeah. for improvement and yeah. we had to we went out there and trust you know funny enough we did find we did find areas for improvement yeah. but it took it took us um you know being persistent um looking with a fresh eye going yeah. talking to persons integrating ourselves into the system to actually get to see and know and see where the gaps are and what is needed to ensure that these operations were were efficient and constantly improving, right? And that that really left a mark on me, Sam. Um, and I and I take that you know those lessons straight to today in terms of anything I'm doing. If I'm working with a client, I become a customer. So I would literally buy the service or buy the product out of my own pocket before I even yeah. sign anything at all, because then I I get to feel what the stakeholders feel, how how the system works what the gaps are you know before i even do anything at all i I become a customer and that has helped me so much to help other persons in terms of looking at who they serve and realizing that you know the customer is who you serve and who is the most important person in what we do and even just the other day a client of mine came to me and asked me you know what what should we be focusing on we have this metric and we have that metric and, you know, we want to, to improve as much as possible the utilization of our plan. And I said to them, what do you have the market for it? What is your demand for the product? Because it doesn't make sense. You're pushing a product when there is no market for it. So you have to develop a system where you're pulling <laughs> instead of pushing on the customer. So we have to take it from that perspective. And then we maximize our capacity and our utilization and efficiency to match that, right? But beyond below a certain point, it doesn't, you know, you, you are operating at a loss and you can be at maximum capacity and be inefficient. And that is possible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can yeah. be wasting a lot. So we have to bear those things in mind. So, you know, I, I could go on and on with stories, Sam, but that just gives you a little um, window into how I, how I, how passionately I view the whole matter of improvement and growth. So even on a personal level, and I believe that at the core are human beings, right? So even if we have the latest artificial intelligence and um, mechanical systems or, 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 you know, computerized systems, we still need persons behind that. And, you know, it's at the core of everything we do. Either we are serving them in some way, shape or form. And so we, we have to... To, to connect that human element always to the matter of growth. And I believe that organization that have persons who are engaged and motivated and growing will also be contributing positively to the growth of the organizations that they are, they are, they are attached to. 
and, and generally as a stakeholder or a customer, you will be able to detect that in an organization. And you know, even going back to the example from Japan, I, uh, there was one thing that they, they, they would say, you know, anytime that they're going to do business with another company, they'll ask to use um, the restroom. And depending on how the restroom looks, you know, they would do business or not do business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounded, yes, it sounded kind of weird. But, you know, in time, <laughs> in time I kind of understood. It is weird. <laughs> yes. You know, but, but basically, I think it goes back to the whole aspect that if you if you can't manage your, your own house how are you going to manage mine you know that, um, that is to, true <laughs> yes you have to have your ducks in a row so yeah. um it, it, it's, it's a sign of how well you're doing another sign that they had was to look at the shop floor you know i know you do a lot of work in manufacturing and if you go in and you see a lot of spillages and oils and waste and cuttings on the ground it was a no-no for business. So everybody in the organization had a part to play and had a personal feeling that they were a shareholder in that company. So it's not just, you know, somebody that comes in and do some does some work, but they feel a part of that organization. And so they treat it like they would their own home. So even though we were consultants working there, Sam, we had a yeah. day where we had to <laughs> join the team and clean up the place meaning even water the flowers and yeah. clean the garden and and clean up the machinery and everything like that and yeah, it yeah. was it phenomenal and i know you could see that level of dedication and engagement and every day every day they had something new to put on that table as it relates to improvement now can you believe if you have an improvement a day from every employee in a company for an entire year, and that each of them led to, to saving how yeah. much a company could save <laughs> in a year. Yeah. Even yeah. if they got one a week, right? That's that's 50 or 52 per year from one employee in terms of yeah. improvement initiatives. And you multiply that by 10, that's 520. And if each of them gives you $100 in terms of savings, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's over half a million dollars in savings yeah. and that money could be used to be reinvested in the organization or in and in your people which can help you to further grow as an organization yeah so yeah so before we get into the technicality of the discussion today i'm actually going to have a fun question for you uh, right. going back to your comment about getting your ducks in the row so do clients when they try to hire you do they ask for the picture of your home? <laughs> How you are managing it before they can hire me? <laughs> I, I, I wish I could show you the picture of where I am now. And I'm, I'm looking at the Caribbean Sea with palm, with palm trees. And it's just an amazing place to be. <laughs> But to answer your question, Sam, I mean, I think persons who engage me in are interested in results. And I am also, uh, you know, very results driven, right? Yeah. I, I like to look and dig deep into where the problems are and finding ways to ensure that there's meaningful change. Because what we're looking for at the end of everything is a transformation, right? Yeah. So it's not a matter of just going through the motions. Because, you know, you will have programs where persons will get excited and then it dies off. 
But what yeah. we're looking for is that is that more systems or a framework that would allow, you know, that that flexibility and agility that so robust that persons can then they will no longer be looking to someone else for these solutions, but they will have that in their organization, which was created bespoke for them, that they can can continuously improve and grow over time. Yeah. So let's talk about operational resiliency. Can you define what that is? And right. from the concept perspective, I mean, when I look at the lean concept, they all sound very easy, right? It's yeah. not a rocket science, yeah. but we, we both know, Chamar, when we look uh-huh. at, let's say, the traditional manufacturers or the or the distributors, right? I mean, see, it almost mm-hmm. seems like as if they have not improved in the last 100 years, <laughs> even Ooh. though they have... <laughs> They wow. are going to be, see, if they if they have, let's say, the 10% improvement on a daily basis, then they would be making billions of dollars, right? But they are not. We, <laughs> we, we all know that they are not. I mean, they are all SMB for a reason. They very rarely, right. you know, grow. So obviously, in theory, these concepts sounds great, but applying them for real growth is very uh-huh. difficult, right? So first, let's define what operational resiliency is. Can you define right. that? Well, well, operational resilience is something that we are hearing a lot, especially since the pandemic, right? Personal resilience, business resiliency. Well, operational resilience is, is defined as the ability of an organization to adapt rap- to, to adapt rapidly to the changing environment. And, and this includes both the resilience of your systems and your processes, and more generally, the ability of the organization to continue to operate its business in the event of disruptive events. So it's basically um, in this world of disruption, and we had one major one in the past year, right? It's looking at how quickly an organization is going to, one, respond to the, to the disruption and yeah. then re- recover to where they were pre the disruption, right? Because yeah. you'll find yeah. that um, for different organizations, they'll have, you know, a different response and recovery rate. So we're not just looking at a response because you can respond quickly and they barely surviving. It's like a ghost operation. They just barely get it going through the motions and you have inefficiencies all over the place. You're not really growing. You're not meeting your demands, right? Yeah. Everything yeah. is out of control. Or, you know, so operational resilience looks at both how quickly you respond. So, hey, everything had to shut down. How quickly do I get my operation online? And then how quickly do I get it up to uh, to about the same or beyond where it was pre the, pre the disruption, right? So this year we had a pandemic disruption. Next year it might be something different. Next month it might be something different. So operation resilience is really looking at the operations and seeing, okay, where are my gaps and how can I build resiliency and creating a plan for that so that whatever comes up, you are able to resist and to be able to continue your operations, right? So um, it's a little bit more than just continuing. It's, you know, looking at what's critical in your organization and ensuring that it takes top priority and that it continues whatever is happening. So in terms of Looking at it, one of the things that I normally recommend is looking at a, a gap assessment of your organization as it relates to operational resiliency. So one of the things that a lot of persons would have noticed is that with this pandemic, and as you were saying earlier before we came on, everybody's affected worldwide. <laughs> everybody's yeah. on the same 
facing the same challenges, no matter what country you're in, no matter what field you're in, we're getting hit. And when you get hit by a disruption, you feel it most in the in your weakest area, right? And for each organization, that weak area will be different, right? Based on what your you know your systems are, what your processes are, etc. So for one organization, it might be communication, for example. Another, it would be in your supply chain. You know, another, it might be in operations or another, it may be a demand type um, hit. Whatever, especially for the past year that you have noticed has come up as theme area of weakness, please do not ignore that. It's telling you something that needs to work to be worked on. And if you were able to withstand and still be operating now, it may not be enough to help you through the next disruption. So that's an area that you need to start in and that would mark as a critical area in terms of your business critical services that you need to really map out um, and measure to assess what the gaps are, what needs to be done and to fix that so that the next time around, it wouldn't be that area. Now, the thing with weak areas or a bottleneck, it moves, right? And it moves from one area to another. And so it's a continuous process. But what you can do is reduce the, the magnitude of the impact that it creates if, you know, based on when it, when it does occur. And so that's what we would be looking at. And in terms of operation resiliency, you know, doing that gap assessment is, is really crucial where you look at, you know, those critical processes, mapping them, measuring and testing them, right? And also looking at the whole human inter interface and interaction in the whole framework or the whole process to look at how they are impacted in that disruption. So how does the measuring and testing process works? So let's say right. if you were to study and figure out where the gaps are, what mm. would be the approach? Let's say if you are assigned to a hypothetical business, so you can go uh -huh. back to your existing story or you can pick up a new story or you can take a hypothetical scenario. And now okay. let's say if you are doing gap analysis, Mm -hmm. So maybe you can describe the business situation, then uh, then provide, okay, how mm -hmm. either you have performed gap mm -hmm. analysis in your last engagement, or mm -hmm. maybe just create a hypothetical story. So describe okay. how you, you would perform the gap analysis, what will be the process of measurement, and how mm -hmm. the testing will be done. Okay, that's an excellent question, Sam. And um, it varies from company to company, and it be, it's based on how they are structured, what they do have in place and what they don't have in place. I know for many, you know, measuring what matters is very important. And for many, they may not be measuring any at all or don't have the systems to capture the information. So it may be if they have that information ready, and I have worked with persons who have that information ready, it's, it's easy to just go straight into taking that data and using that data to tell a story. And what I've found is that persons or organizations would have excellent dashboards with information and they report on many, many things, but not focusing really on what matters or not looking at the trends or digging deeper to see what, what the data is telling us. And there is so much information that we can gather from the data that can help to make informed decisions 
as to the future of our organizations. And, you know, it could be that the management team or the, 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 they don't have the time to really deep dive into that information. They may be busy out in fires or the organization may be caught in a downward spiral of setback, right? And I'll give you an example of one company that I worked with just after coming back from Japan. And they had, it was in a, a recessionary period. And, you know, I worked with one of their manufacturing plants. And what I did, I took all the, the data that they had, quality data, line data. And one thing that they did have, they were measuring a lot of things, right? So yeah. I took, took that information, did all the analysis on it, and really showed them, hey, look at the gaps that you have here. So they were measuring something, for example, like, oh, our, our efficiency is 81%, for example. And I said, well, suppose I challenge you to go to 85%. If I challenge, if you go to 85%, it would mean this increase in revenue, this increase in production, this reduction in waste, et cetera, et cetera. Or I, I was able to find an area where, you know, there was a lot of waste in that area and they didn't even realize that they were overproducing. <laughs> and yeah. even though it was probably 2%, it, it resulted in millions of saving by just doing some tweaks to the machinery and getting it to specification. They were able to save so much raw material that they, it was unbelievable because in that year, they were the only entity that recorded a profit because what they did is that whatever they were taught on the lines that we worked on, they were able to replicate it throughout the company and resulted in about 2.5 million US dollars in savings just by looking at the numbers. So aside yep. from looking at the numbers, one of the other things that I did was to train the team into and giving them the autonomy to do the implementation. So with the help of working with the management team and the, the line workers, everybody together cross-functionally, we were able to, to just attack the lines, look at the problems, etc. And you know, the successes were shared with the employees. I mean, we just had a beautiful program where it was a win-win and it was it just created a domino effect that they just went on, they solved one problem, onto the next, onto the next, onto the next. And so it just cascaded throughout that company. They were recognized and then it spread to all the business um, entities within the group afterwards. So, you know, that's one example that I could share with you. Great. So let's talk about this data, right? So you said that you basically went there, you analyzed the quality data and the design mm -hmm. data. So right. Now, depending upon how large the company is, depending upon how many product lines they have, depending upon how mm -hmm. many customers and vendors that they have, right? Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Now, this database could be could be slightly bigger than what a person can analyze. Yeah. So in your case, I mean, what kind of data set are you looking for? Can you talk about some sample fields maybe? Did you have to work with IT to be able to get this data? What data set are you looking for? How big the data set need to be? How many data points do you need to get? And what kind of data elements are you looking for from the quality perspective, from the design perspective, so that you can analyze the gaps? Describe the process slightly in detail if you could. Okay, that's an excellent one, Sam, again. So in terms of how deep you can go, and and I want to go back a little bit though, Sam, yeah. before I go, go, go deep, is that it relates to improvement. You can go as simple as possible and you can go complex. 
but oftentimes the simpler it is, the better. Yeah, and yeah. The, and, and the easier it is to implement, right? And so one of the things that, that we did when I went in is one, to get the buy-in from all the C-suite in the organization because we know that it's going to be a team effort. And a lot of times when you go into organizations, it's usually one person there struggling, trying to, to get this thing done. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's really a team effort. And, the, the, you know, the more cross-functional the group is, the more robust the team outcome will be, right? So we, we got that buying right away. We had that trust with them as well. So they basically gave us access to all the databases and all the information. So I was able with my team to go in and download anything that we needed. We we're given all the access that we needed. And, of course, IT is going to be a big part of, of the whole process. And especially now, as we are talking about the fourth industrial revolution and yeah. working from home, especially for manufacturers, et cetera, you know, CAD system, CAD CAM system, you know, we need technology, we need IT support. That's going to be a big thing, a big part of it going forward. So we were able to, to be there, download anything, everything that we need. And, um, and I think I spoke about it earlier in, in, in the discussion, wherein yeah. we integrate ourselves into the system. So we were a part of the team. <laughs> okay. So we weren't seen as a, as a, as a consultant, etc. We are a member of the team, right? It's all of us in this together. And so I went in, downloaded what we needed, asked any question that we needed to. So we were right there. We had access to all the quality persons. So if we saw anomalies, we could say, you know, what happened in this particular month, etc. Usually I would go with a two-year span, you know, okay. just to ensure to see the trend. Um, if the organization has that, that's great. If not, I will look at the last six months okay. in terms of data and just look at the trends and um, the gaps that exist in those data sets um, as it relates to, you know, the either inputs or outputs or the process itself, right? And I'm looking for anything that is wasteful, anything that is not contributing to what the customer needs. I'm looking for those points, right? So what the customer isn't willing to pay for, what is not adding value to the stakeholders. Those are the, the points that I'm looking for to highlight and to, to bring to the fore, right? But, um, you know, I don't want persons to think that, okay, this, this whole matter of growth and improvement is way beyond me and, and there's nothing that, that I can do right now. It's so overwhelming. I know it's easy when you don't have any control about some of the things that are happening or you don't have robust systems in place or, or you don't have the capabilities internally to deal with some of these things. But or you may be faced with um, impending closure for example, and are not able to really focus on it. But it's it's so important. It's almost like what they would say, no matter how much you make or how little you make, you should always put aside a percentage of your salary for savings. And that's a must. You consider these improvement or growth opportunities and investment in the company's future that every company needs to invest in on a daily basis. Okay, so let's go back to your comment about two-year historical data. So one uh -huh. access I got that, you know, you are looking at two year, right? And then yeah. are you looking at the, let's say the PNL balance sheet? Are you looking at the revenue? And then you are trying to figure out, okay, in which month the revenue dropped? Or are you looking at the monthly defects? Are you looking at the, all the expenses that you have? 
let's say on the PNL and based on that you are drawing. So what is the other axis? What are you comparing it uh, on the axis of time? Right. So, you know, we're looking at all of what you, you mentioned. We are looking at what is the waste that is generated over time. Okay. Um, what's, the, what's the kind of inventory that you, that you maintain over time? The demand for the, the goods or the service that you're providing. Um, okay. We're looking at quality specifications. We're looking at some of the inefficiencies which may exist in your operations as it relates to machine availability. You know, we're looking at production volumes and we, we you know cost to the system as well and overheads um you know the cost the cost factor is very important as well and um we look at other efficiency measures right and ratios and of course the pnl and and um will also give great and the balance sheets will give great information but it's not the only factor and then there are some things that you just in, um, as I said before, you have to go to Gemba and see. Now yeah. with COVID, you know, we may have to, to do virtual tours, <laughs> but actually, you know, integrating yourself into the system, you're able to see what works and what doesn't work. And then we always tap into the persons that work and are the experts on the ground themselves and, you know, get their perspectives. So as it relates to the data, so there are many ways you can get it and add a primary or secondary data. So it may mean talking to the clients one-on-one. -on -one. It may mean um, talking to the employees who work in the system to capture those, um, looking at the data and then bring it all together with your years of experience, you know, and what I've seen in, in other organizations and, you know, and um, industries and other countries and bringing that all together to create a bespoke plan for that organization. Because I really believe that every organization is like an, an individual um, that's unique, right? We all have a different DNA, different fingerprints. And I think a system that would work for one may not work for another. So it's not a cookie cutter approach, but actually creating that, that um, bespoke something customized to that system that will work for that organization is, is going to be golden. And, you know, you want to, to actually create that framework in a way that all contributes, right? it's a win-win, and you, you are creating like mini rock stars in your organization that will just continue the show <laughs> for years to come. Tomorrow, that's it for today. Do you have any last minute closing thoughts by any chance? Yes, I do, Sam. And, you know, I want to encourage everyone listening to really challenge um, the status quo in their organization and to not just be looking and putting band-aids on the effect, but to really go down to the root cause of the problems and ensure that we are constantly looking at creating value for our stakeholders and continuously growing. So use the team approach. Look at improving your systems on a daily basis. And if you want to, you know, speak to me, I can, we can book a strategy call where we can connect and I can do a free gap analysis for you and your organization and see what you will need 
to build your operational resiliency. Okay, amazing. And my personal takeaway from the conversation is going to be that don't just rely on the data that you are getting from the computer. You have to also talk to real people in the field because they have the real insight that you yeah. will require for your operational improvement and also for the operational resiliency. On that note, Shamar, I really want to thank for your time. This has been a fascinating conversation and very insightful. I want to thank you too, Sam, for having me. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Chamar, book a strategy call or receive a free operational resilience gap analysis. Get in touch with her at Chamar at ChamarNelson.com. It's T-A-M-A-R at T-A-M-A-R-N-E-L-S-O-N.com or DM her on LinkedIn at Tamar hyphen Nelson. She is the one with a green circle. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Sanjeev Petmangalkar, who discusses why lean is a strategy in thinking and why most companies fail with lean as they focus on tools. Also, the interview with Paul Critchley from New England Lean Consulting, who discusses the practical examples of how to apply 5SS of Lean to your organization. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.